good afternoon, good morning, everybody, depending on what part of this beautiful country that you're in, please uh, thank you for joining me on this Rebel Roundup. It's a revamped show. We're just here on Fridays. And one of the reasons is because we don't want to pull our journalists off stories and into the studio to sit down for an hour when there's so much news out in the world. But because of my role at the company, I'm so frequently often at my desk. And this desk is where I do all my journalism, where I read a tips and do all my writing. So it's just easier for me to flip on the camera and talk to you about the news of the day and the news of the week. Now, this is a it's been a busy, busy week um, in news. Um, I'll tell everybody how they can get involved in the show, and then we'll jump right into the news of the day. So as I said, this is the Rebel News Roundup. Uh, it used to just be a daily show, but as I said, there's so much news out in the world that we have turned the show into a weekly roundup of news stories. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. There are over 1.6 million sets of eyeballs over there, and we're glad to have you, that's for sure. However, if you want to get involved in the show and have your say, might I suggest you wander over to a less censorious platform, perhaps Rumble, perhaps Odyssey. On both of those platforms, you can leave a paid chat. If your paid chat is over the $5 US minimum, I'm obligating myself to read it on air. And uh, don't let that be the bar, though, for participation, because frequently... We read chats that are lower than that amount or even free chats if we think that they are interesting or thoughtful. So please get involved and who knows, you might just see your chat read on the air. Now, let's get into the news, shall we? Uh, it's Hanukkah, started yesterday. Although you wouldn't know it if you were in the mayor's office in Calgary because uh, Jody Gondek, Calgary's far, far left progressive mayor, um, has skipped the lighting of the menorah after she declared it to be a pro-Israel event. Even if it were, who cares? Every time I think that Toronto has the worst mayor in the city, Jody Gondek just sidles right on up and snatches the title away for, from uh, Ms. Wong out there. Uh, Let's go into this, uh, a few of the stories here, because even though the mayor skipped the menorah lighting because it's pro-Israel, and why wouldn't it be? Um, this is the first Hanukkah post the single largest terror attack on Jews since the Holocaust. Um, Rebel News was there, but also basically every conservative politician that was in the city of Calgary. Um, there were promised to be protesters at the menorah lighting last night, although uh, it doesn't seem to me that there were uh, last minute. Sounds like they came to their senses and decided not to protest uh, a religious service down at City Hall. Uh, but we had our Sid Fizard uh, down on the scene and he was able to get some interviews with conservative politicians um, like uh, city councillor Dan McLean, one of the two, uh, I think, true conservatives on city council outside of Sean Chu. Um, and he also had an interview with uh, Calgary Heritage, that's Stephen Harper's old riding uh, Shuvaloy Majunder. Uh, so let's go to uh, 
Sid's interview with uh, Suvaloy uh, and see uh, what he had to say about the mayor, Jody Gondek, skipping the lighting of the menorah after 35 years, by the way. It's December 7th, and now we're celebrating a Jewish holiday. And previously, the mayor, Jody Gondek, she came to an event that was uh, a mourning for the Jewish community. After the terrorist attacks we saw from Hamas in Israel, she spoke very strongly against Hamas. And now it seems like she's taken a 180-degree turn, and she's condemning this religious holiday celebration as a political event. It shows me that maybe she hasn't sadly understood the link between how anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Hanukkah as a story, a millennia old, tells a story of ancient Jewish legitimacy in the city of Jerusalem, the second temple with which Judah and the Maccabees rebuilt and rededicated. It's a story of hope over darkness, uh, hope over fear and light over darkness over the ages. Uh, I'm sad that the mayor didn't understand the basic principles of how core Jewish identity is, not just to the land from where they are indigenous, but to the faith that they express. So it was a it was a tragedy of an epic proportion that the mayor failed to stand by a community that is under so much pain in two very long months uh, at a time in which they need to see their elected leaders with them. And so I'm happy to represent my colleagues. I'm happy to be here today uh, and to tell this community that they have friends and allies that will be with them through thick and through thin. Well, and likewise... Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, so that's Shuvaloy Majumder. He is uh, he's the uh, conservative politician for Calgary Heritage. Uh, you know, we should point out that the mayor said, well, I don't want to go to this Hanukkah celebration because I don't want to pick sides in this dispute, I guess, between Israel and existential terrorism. She decided that there's some sort of moral equivalence between the legitimate Democratic State of Israel, where Palestinians and Jews have rights, where men have rights, where women have rights, where gays have rights. She doesn't want to pick a side between Israel and the terror state that committed absolute atrocities on October 7th, uh, used rape as a weapon of war and continues to hold hostages. She doesn't want to pick a side. Um, however, she's had no problem picking sides in the past in disputes, especially contentious disputes. For example, she was more than happy to stand with Ukraine as Ukraine is engaged in a war with Russia. She didn't have a problem picking sides there. Oh, and you know, I, I guess there's some sort of uh, consolation for Christians here that uh, the mayor is also against Jews. It's not just us, I guess, um, because you'll remember Mayor Jody Gondek chose a side at the Battle of the Library when Christians protested the Drag Queen Story Hour at municipal libraries. She actually passed a law preventing peaceful Christian protests near the library. Um, Pastor Derek Reiber was uh, arrested um, for protesting at the library peacefully. Um, so the mayor has a long history of choosing sides on contentious issues. She just want, doesn't want to choose on this one now, does she? Now, Sid also got an interview with uh, city councilor Dan McLean. He sits on council with Mayor Giotti Gondek, and he had some un 
unkind things to say about the mayor and uh, her canceling her attendance at this event after 35 years. Mayor Gondek says supporting Israel against Hamas is, quote, taking sides and she won't do it. Do you think it's appropriate for a Canadian leader to be neutral as between a democratic country and a terrorist group? I'm very disappointed in the mayor's decision. I think it was ill-advised. This event has been held for the past 35 years. Every mayor's attended. It's been the same agenda every year. So in my uh, estimation, like I said, uh, this is not political. And now it has been made political. And that's very unfortunate. Uh, given the extreme Hamas hate marches in recent weeks that Calgary police have allowed, are you surprised by Gondek's actions today? Oh, totally surprised. A little upset. But more than that, not what I am, the Jewish community itself. They're uh, upset. They're angered. They're hurt. I have many members in my community, in my ward, that have relatives that have been killed, kidnapped, and they also, as well as the whole Jewish community, are feeling a little bit uh, hurt. See how easy it is? See how easy it is to answer the questions, by the way, conservative politicians. We show up, we ask good questions, and we give you the opportunity to give a good answer. We're not going to take you out of context like the CBC. And so if you're a conservative politician and you see a Rebel News microphone, you'd be wise to jump in front of it because we give you an a chance to exhibit moral clarity while your progressive colleagues, peers, I guess, they just... They just don't. Um, it's nice to see uh, Councillor Dan McLean uh, standing up for uh, the Jewish community. There's a guy that would make a great mayor next time around in Calgary. Conservatives have to come up with a solution. They have to put up somebody better than Giotti Gondek, who is just an absolute disaster in that city. Uh, Jason Kenny, uh, he uh, popped his head back up. Uh, what does that mean? Six more weeks of winter? I'm not sure. Uh, but anyways, uh, former Premier Jason Kenney even tweeted on this issue. He said it's an appalling decision by Mayor Gondek to boycott the Hanukkah menorah lighting. Hanukkah isn't some interfaith celebration of diversity, as implied by her embarrassingly parodic word salad. It celebrates the culmination of a successful Jewish military campaign. Let's scroll down to retake and rededicate the second temple, Judaism's holiest site, at the heart of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people. Hanukkah celebrates the resilience of the Jewish people against tyrants and anti-Semites through history. The mayor's boycott reflects a profound ignorance of Jewish history and the reality that Israel lies at the heart of Jewish identity. Her offensive boycott comes two months after the largest massacre of Jews, since the Shoah, that's the Holocaust, and the context of a growing wave of anti-Semitism across Canada. Hanukkah belongs to the Jewish community, which has every right to connect to the heroic resistance of the Maccabees, to Israel's existential fight for survival against the genocidal Jew-hating terrorists of Hamas. How dare the mayor lecture the Jewish community on the meaning of a key celebration of Jewish history and identity. How dare she attack a small, vulnerable minority community that is already under daily attack, the target of history's most durable and pernicious form of hatred. Her decision further normalizes the marginalization of the Jewish community. At the very least, the mayor should apologize for dishonoring her office at our city with her divisive boycott and insulting statement. Look, I've got my uh, objections to many things that Jason Kenney has said and done, but I don't object to anything he said there except... When he said that the mayor misunderstands 
what Hanukkah is all about. I don't think she misunderstands. I think she completely understands. And that's why she can't be there because she's playing both sides of the fence. Hanukkah is a celebration of the Jewish eternal ties to the second temple in Jerusalem. And if you acknowledge that, then you acknowledge that Jerusalem is not a divided city or that part of it should belong to uh, the Palestinians. To recognize Hanukkah is to recognize that Jerusalem and Israel is the Jews' indigenous homeland and has been for millennia. And so because of that, she couldn't go if she's trying to, you know, sort of balance her, I don't know, her sensibilities between Hamas and anti-Semites and normal people who believe that the Jews have a right to exist in their indigenous homeland. Okay, speaking of politicians doing the right thing, Pierre Polyev did a couple of things yesterday that I thought were really great. Uh, he attended at least two uh, Hanukkah celebrations yesterday. And one of them was in Montreal, where our friend and colleague Alexa Lavoie was. And there's some really great footage footage of Pierre Polyev. And I'll, I'll backtrack a little. So right now, or at least last night in the House of Commons, conservatives were basically filibustering by adding amendments and changes to legislation, like a thousand pieces of this stuff, to try to force the liberals to just wear them down because liberals want a break for the holidays and what they were trying to do was like force the sitting into the middle of the night and out the other side by making everything a confidence issue which means if the liberals aren't there and they don't vote and win the vote on just these minutiae things then government can fall and we'll go to elections so the liberals had to stay there all night while the conservatives forced, uh, you know, forced voting on things that the conservatives knew would they wouldn't win on, but they kept the liberals in the House of Commons. That's the whole point of it. They had to stay there. Otherwise, if the liberals lost a vote, the, the commons would fall. So uh, the liberals were very annoyed with this. And but some conservatives had made a. Uh, arrangements for remote voting and Pierre Polyev was one of them. So he's attending a, a, a menorah lighting in Montreal while he's on his iPad voting. Uh, so he's not missing anything. And uh, he was accused of partying it up. We'll get to that in a second, but let's just uh, show Alexa's video of Pierre Polyev doing the right thing and showing up at a synagogue in Montreal to speak on the first night of Hanukkah. It's like our internet in the office is having a little think. Uh, anyway, maybe we'll move ahead while they figure that out. We have a, a tweet here. Oh, no, we've got it now. Thank 
position of Canadian Magandavidadom and the people of Israel during the war of October 7th. And we say, he who saves a life is as if he has saved an entire world. So thank you very much. So I think that's good. I think I think that's good because the point of this video is the absolute overwhelmingly warm reception that Polyev received speaking at that synagogue, standing ovation, um, because that is truly what differentiates the conservatives from the liberals on this issue. There's no playing both sides of the fence. There's no saying, you know, like uh, there are. Uh, legitimate grievances that Hamas was dealing with, like the terror group Hamas was dealing with. Uh, conservatives are uh, staunch in their support of the state of Israel. Stephen Harper was the first Canadian prime minister to speak at the Israeli Knesset. They've said that they will move the capital uh, to, or sorry, they will move the embassy to the capital of the state of Israel, instead of leaving it in Tel Aviv for political reasons, they said that they would move the embassy to Jerusalem where it belongs, uh, like the Americans did. So uh, that's truly on this issue, what differentiates the conservatives from the liberals. And it's nice to see. Now, let's move ahead to this uh, next tweet. It's a tweet from... Uh, sorry, my computer's having to think too. So it's uh, the, uh, she's liberal MP, Sophie Chattel. She said, she deleted it now, but this is Jackie Budden. I believe Jackie, previously Delaney, she works for a senator, Leo Husakos, I believe. And just for clarification, and Jackie says, why did Sophie Chattel delete this post video? Is it because she realized how poor taste it was referring to the lighting of a menorah as parting it up in Montreal? I won't even address the stupidity of calling late night sittings something new imported from the U.S. Can we can we click through to that? Maybe not. Maybe we can't. Um, but yeah, she sent out a tweet and a video saying that uh, Pierre Polyev was just partying it up in Montreal. And she said that uh, forcing these late night sittings, which have happened always uh, in the House of Commons, so forcing the people who take home a handsome salary to govern this country, actually forcing them to work and show up uh, was some sort of American-style tactic that the liberals just couldn't abide she deleted it, but uh, she thought it was appropriate to post until she realized that the internet disagreed with her. And uh, Olivia says that we can play it. So I don't need to explain it to you. Let's just play it. The uh, practice well known in the United States of obstruction. Well, if you had any doubt, these practices are now here in Canada. Pierre Poliev is doing the playbook of Trump. And uh, so here we are. But where is he? You know what? He's not even here. He's partying in Montreal. But our prime minister is here and all liberal are here as well. We're not going to let that go. Um, 
and I'm fully equipped. I have here my slippers and over there my yoga mat. Uh, we are keeping in shape and positive. What a joke that woman is. Oh, she's got her yoga mat. So they had to show up to work late at night. I'm sorry if you work a, a job and you're trying to make ends meet because of the inflation caused by these people. Um, maybe you have to take a double shift. Uh, Christmas is approaching. I saw in Black Locks today that, you know, groceries for next year for an average Canadian family of four is over $16,000. That's not including the occasional eating out, if you can afford that. $16,000 and you got to listen to these people whine about having to work a late shift? Get bent, lady. Like, get with reality. You know, I'm my family's from the oil patch, but we're also farmers. So I'm accustomed to the idea that people have to work late nights. You know, for both of those industries, you have to work around the weather. You know, you have to work around snowstorms, you have to work around freezing, you have to work around road bands, um, you have to work around uh just weather as a farmer. You got to make hay when the sun shines, as they say. And if you're from the prairies, you know the the sight of a combine's lights after dark. These are people who work day to night. And we got to listen to this lady complain about having to show up to work late, saying that this is a imported Trump-style tactic. No, this is, a, this is what happens in a parliamentary democracy, not a republic like the United States. She's just upset that she had to go to work. Uh, before they can break for the holidays, go on their Christmas break starting on the 8th of December. How many of you are going to work up until the 23rd, 24th? <laughs> I bet a lot of you. Um, and this lady complaining, complaining about having to go to work. She's in her slippers though, guys. Um, and uh, she's got her yoga mat. So she's staying fit. She is, she's exercising on the clock, by the way. Like how many of you are just going to go skip out of your job and go to the gym and then come back or just, like I'm lucky I get to wear whatever I feel like to work but most of you have a dress code where you are this lady's just wearing slippers and complaining about having to work just the gall the gall and like the absolute level of being out of touch that the liberals have right now it's reflected in the polls though isn't it there's a reason these people are consistently at least 10 points down of the conservatives, I saw a poll the other day that showed that the conservatives would take 200 seats, 208, I think it was, in the next election. And that is why, that is actually why every single liberal was in the House of Commons last night to make sure that these confidence motions didn't pass is because they will be absolutely Kim Campbell style decimated in the polls if they go to election right now. So that's why they were there. She's voting to save her shirt, uh, not because she cares about anything in particular. She's got to hang on to that pension, I suppose. Uh, let's keep going. Sorry, guys, I'm a little congested today, so I don't want to sniff into the microphone. Honest Reporting Canada. If you thought this is just a liberal issue, <laughs> them being uh, just anti-Semitic or at least enabling anti-Semites, well... This is CTV Toronto. They're talking about the first day of Hanukkah. And you know what they do? They 
fill their segment with clips of Palestinians and IDF operations in Gaza. Just look at this. An event, a signature event is happening here in Toronto later this evening. Our Allison Hurst joins us now with more on what is planned in Allison. It's typically a celebration, but of course this year is very different. Yes, there's a lot going on right now, and but this is a time where they're hoping that they will all be able to come together. There have been crews coming by, bringing the pieces to begin the setup ahead of tonight's event. It will be a seven or eight foot menorah that is set up here on the stage. You might be able to see behind me some of the multicolored pieces uh, that will make up that menorah and crews we expect will be back sometime within the hour to continue setting up ahead of tonight's event. But this is an annual event. Uh, Menorah will go up this afternoon and be lit tonight. There will be dignitaries and members of government will be in attendance along with the community. There will also be music and typical Hanukkah foods for... I mean, that's really what Hanukkah is about. It's about lighting a candle and darkness goes away. And so our view, our approach, our belief is come with a positive message, come with a, a message of light and, and goodness, and darkness will eventually disappear. Technical difficulties there with Allison's mic. Uh, we'll certainly have more tonight on CTV News at 6. Oh, I don't think there were technical difficulties with Allison's mic. I think uh, she may have been caught flat-footed by the images being shown if she could see them. Um, I, how many of you out there? Let me know in the chats. Do you think that was accidental by CTV to include images of IDF uh, executing uh, actions in Gaza to eliminate Hamas terrorists? Um, do you think that that was an accidental technical difficulty on behalf of CTV, because that's what CTV is saying. We're just like, oops, oops, how did those get in there? Complete and total accident. Do you believe them? I don't. I think there's some anti-Semite underminer working in the uh, control room there. And CTV isn't being honest about it. That's what I think, because I, I don't think you go live to TV and have those things accidentally queued up. You know what I mean? I, I just don't think it was an accident. Um, and to leave them roll, by the way, uh, they could have pulled them down pretty quick. They didn't. They left it to roll until they came to the, the Orthodox Jewish gentleman at the end there explaining what Hanukkah was all about. Wow. Uh, we've got one more thing before we hit an ad break. Still on federal politics. Uh, Rachel Thomas, MP from Alberta, just given it to the head of the CBC, Catherine Tate, who lives in upstate New York, uh, lady with hot roots, by the way. Uh, she's the head of the CBC. We just got wind that thanks to her mismanagement of all the money that the CBC gets from taxpayers, but also advertisers, they're laying off 600 employees right before Christmas, but Catherine Tate won't rule out bonuses for top executives, including herself. 
even though she's responsible for the absolute mismanagement. I can't even imagine the work that we would do here at Rebel News if we had that kind of reliable cash all the time. Just astounding, but she's managing to blow it because CBC is absolutely unwatchable. It's an unwatchable dinosaur. It's a relic of days gone by. Um, And instead of making it better, they seem to be making it more woke and more unwatchable as their viewership sort of ages into the nursing home. Uh, I think a lot of people watch CBC because they don't know how to change their remote. You know, they, they just want to watch curling and the grandkids aren't coming by and showing them how to change channels. So they just leave it on CBC and watch uh, Murdoch mysteries. And then hopefully curling will come on at some point and What's that British show? Coronation Street? I think that's also on CBC. That's quality CanCon. Anyways, Rachel Thomas is just giving it to Catherine Tate, and Catherine Tate doesn't like it. We know that Miss Tate, the head of the CBC Radio Canada, uh, has made the decision to cut 600 jobs. But we also know that when she was pressed during a media interview as to whether or not the executives would receive a bonus, she was not able to determine a definite no. In fact, she seems to very much be leaving that window open, um, which would imply then that she is okay with cutting 600 media jobs while still giving big bonuses for the top executives of the company. Now, we know that Miss Tate herself received a $60,000 bonus this last summer. $60,000, that's more than the average salary of a Canadian in this country. So for Miss Tate to determine that she's going to slash 600 jobs while still being okay with giving, you know, potentially millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars in bonuses is absolute ludicrous. So I would say not only does Ms. Tate need to come to this committee, but I would also offer an amendment to this motion. And the amendment would read as follows toward the end. So at following period of two hours, it would state... And the committee report to the House that it calls on the government to instruct the CBC to immediately ban all executive bonuses, period. Isn't that crazy? Catherine Tate has so mismanaged the CBC that 600 layoffs are necessary right before Christmas. And look, I'm happy to part CBC out like an old Camaro. But I also want some accountability for the dollars being dumped on that dumpster fire of a network. And she gave herself a $60,000 bonus over the summer, mismanaged the company for the next six months. Now she has to do 600 layoffs. How much do you want to bet she's going to take home another $60,000 in bonuses for herself? And for what? So she can go to a hairdresser that gives her those hot red roots. Jeez. What? I, I, I don't like to see people laid off, even people I politically disagree with, except if it's a public health officer. I dislike them immensely. And politicians, get out of there. Um, you know, like, I, I, I think that being having opposite political viewpoints than me and still working in journalism should not be uh, grounds for termination, right? Like 
uh, everybody behind each one of those 600 jobs is a, a family or at least uh, three cats uh, that CBC journalists have to take care of. And so, you know, like the empathetic part of me doesn't like this. But at what point are the liberals going to have a come to Jesus moment? Like all these bailouts, all these censorship uh, pieces of legislation, they say it's all to protect Canadian content and Canadian journalism, but it is having the opposite effect. It's actually shrinking Canadian content and shrinking Canadian journalism because it's not it's preventing the market correction these people so rightly deserve because people are not watching the CBC. Instead of CBC saying, oh, why aren't people watching us? We've got to figure out how to make money here like we would do. They get to just go to Justin Trudeau and say, gimme, sugar daddy, gimme. And Justin Trudeau does because the CBC is the uh, crypto press department of the Liberal Government of Canada. And so what's what's also the consequence of these government bailouts is that nobody trusts the mainstream media and so nobody watches them so it just becomes this perpetual circling of the drain it's like watching a toilet bowl flush it just keeps going around and around and around until it all goes out the bottom that's what's happening in journalism in canada justin trudeau contaminates them with money and so they continue to make stuff that nobody wants to watch or consume and People who previously trusted them now don't because they are contaminated with government money. And it just keeps going around and around and around and around until it goes out the bottom of the bowl. And we've got 600 jobs going out the bottom of the bowl, thanks to Catherine Tate, who is going to obviously give herself a new, uh, I don't know, $60,000, maybe some more red hair dye. Uh, We've got an ad break, and then we'll go back into the second half of the show. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twc.health rebel today. Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, it's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices at piavpn.com slash rebelnews. Hey, before we move on, I just want to remind everybody that the Rebel News Viewers' Choice Awards are coming up. Maybe we can grab that uh, website. And uh, I think it's viewerschoiceawards.com. Is that what the URL is? Olivia, please let me know. I don't want to send people to the wrong place. And then all of a sudden they're voting for Taylor Swift for something. Um, But you can vote for your favorite Rebel. Maybe it's me. Maybe you like the extreme tedium that I have to suffer uh, to do access to information stories so that you know what the government is doing behind closed doors with your money. Or maybe you are a fan of Church Under Fire, my documentary with Key and Simone that sold out shows 
I think like 20 shows almost all across the country. Um, and uh, I, I think was just a phenomenal piece of journalism chronicling the treatment of Christians and pastors who stood up to the government during the times of COVID, if I am to toot my own horn here. Maybe you like uh, Tamara Ugolini's uh, work on the medical file. I think she is Canada's best medical journalist, bar none. She takes these horribly complex ideas and breaks them down in a way that you can understand. Maybe you appreciate David Menzies' advocacy uh, for women's rights. Like, how did David Menzies in that goofy hat, become Canada's foremost women's rights advocate. But here he is, defending women and girls and their spaces. Um, maybe it's the boss. Actually, I don't think you can vote for the boss. Don't vote for the boss anyway. He, he wouldn't accept the win. Maybe it's Avi Amini. He's the lone freedom voice yelling in the wilderness of Australia. Maybe it's uh, Drea Humphrey, <coughs> excuse me, on the West Coast. <coughs> excuse me. And her coverage of of uh, the Marissa oh, oh I almost said it I almost broke a publication ban. Um, her coverage of some court trials happening in the United States. Maybe it's one of our news writers. Maybe it's Robert uh, Krychek covering the Tamara Leach trial. Um, maybe it's Efron because he works every single weekend after he does all of our. Uh, video. He is the manager of the video side of the company. After he does all of that, he frequently covers stories as he goes out the door on the way home. Maybe it's Alexa Lavoie in Quebec. Maybe it is Adam Sos in Calgary. Uh, some of our other personalities, I'm sure I am not listing them all, but it is viewerschoiceawards.com. Is that right, Olivia? viewerschoiceawards.com. Vote for your favorite rebel today. And uh, I don't, I'm not privy to the results, uh, but I am told that the voting is very, very close. Very, very close. And th I like that because the success of our journalism team is my success, right? It's my job to make sure that everybody's doing quality journalism here at Rebel News. And so uh, it doesn't matter who wins. I'll be happy. And what I like about the voting being so close is that means that not only do we have really strong journalistic depth, but we also have a rebel for everybody. Maybe you don't like me. Maybe you don't like how I look. You hate my hair. You hate my shrill voice. And you find the stories I cover boring. Great. Uh, then you're going to love David Menzies. You know? So I like that there's a rebel for everybody. And so vote for the rebel for you in the Viewer's Choice Awards. Uh, okay, let's go to Stephen Gilbo. Uh, he's our environment minister, and uh, he's a bit of a flake. He's got, uh, he must go to Catherine Tate's hairdresser because his he's got like man bangs. Don't do man bangs. Just don't, especially if you're like in your 50s, which I think he must be. Uh, so they introduced a methane emissions cap the federal government did the other day. This is going to directly target farmers and Alberta. And so the liberals tried to silence skeptical conservative politicians on this issue. And we heard about this yesterday. Uh, 
coming out of Alberta. Let's roll this clip. This is outrageous. I can't believe this. That they that the feds were going to do something to Alberta and they tried to get our uh politicians to shut up and not tell the public what the feds were going to do to our industry. Unbelievable. Look at this. As the owner of this resource, we have a responsibility to make sure that we're taking care of emissions. That's why we set our target in the first place. What we don't accept is the federal government thinking they can do it better than us when they can't. And that's why we're going to be asserting our constitutional right to be able to manage this resource. Mm -hmm. uh, emissions have gone up radically in Alberta. Uh, but follow-up question. Uh, we had a couple of polls earlier this fall that suggest as many as two-thirds of Albertans actually support an emissions cap on oil and gas. How confident are you that uh, Albertans back you on this? What are your numbers? Uh, I think it was 62% uh, in one poll and 57 in the other. No, what uh, are your numbers that you're talking about emissions going up? I just need to know what your, what your baseline is. Uh, well... Uh, it was from the Canadian Energy Regulator, uh, Premier. I mean, I can send them to Sam if you like, but uh, well, I, 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 I Albertans' emission, emissions are going up. I don't really want to argue about that. I'd, I'd like an answer to my second question, please. Well, you did assert. That's why I'm I'm curious what your numbers are, because I gave you the, the two examples of how our emissions have gone down. That's why I need to know why you say that they've gone up. Carbon dioxide emissions have gone up. Uh, I... I'm, I'm you're forcing me to guess here, but I think it was something like 256 megatons. I, I, I don't have the number offhand. I can find it mm -hmm. from the Canadian Energy Regulator and send it along to Sam. Too sweet. But I would like a, a, an answer to my second question, please. OK, well, I think emissions are going down. This is why we're probably not going to get an answer to this, because, yes, emissions have gone down 53 percent in electricity. They've also gone down 45 percent on methane. And we're going when we're continuing to, to see that the uh, Pathways Group, Dow Chemical, Air Products and others have made emissions uh, reduction targets of net zero by 2050. So there is a whole of industry approach to getting emissions down to net neutrality by 2050. It's a matter of rolling out the technology to make sure that we have the means to do it with a technology approach as opposed to with a with a shut in approach. So if you asked Albertans, uh, do you want your production shut in so that you lose 1.2 million barrels a day of production and you reduce revenues by 6.5 billion a year and you're cutting a third out of our health budget, I suspect you'd probably get a very different answer because that is what the implications of a production cut of this magnitude would be. And that is not something that Albertans support. And it's certainly not something that the federal government should support either. When the, this industry gave $9 billion worth of corporate income tax to them last year, that is the, the consequences of what would happen if we ended up with a production cut, which we won't allow to happen. Okay, so that's not the right video, but I'm glad we showed that anyways. I wanted to see the Rebecca Schultz uh, video uh, where she said the feds tried to get her to sign an NDA, but I'm glad... Uh, that we showed that video because that shows our premier, Danielle Smith in action, doing a little something that Pierre Polyev frequently does. When uh, it, it's the apple eating video, but just the lady version over Zoom is what you just saw there. So that journalist tried to assert something that wasn't true and then make Danielle Smith answer to something that isn't true. The Journalists said emissions are going up. She said, what are your numbers? 
because she knows they're going down. We're finding efficiencies all over the place. So when he says they're going up, okay, you just said it. Now you prove it because Daniel Smith can back up her numbers. Why can't you? It's exactly the same thing they tried to do to Pierre Polyev when he was in that orchard and he just calmly munched his way through that apple. Danielle Smith just calmly munched her way through that journalist and uh, left him struggling at the end. And, uh, just, I'm glad to see it. Conservative politicians are putting on a masterclass these days and how to deal with the Trudeau colonized mainstream media. And I hope it doesn't, doesn't stop. I hope that they're, that layoffs are unnecessary because these bad journalists just get tired of being battered around by smarter than them, conservative politicians, and then just leave the biz altogether and go back to serving coffee or working in a pet store or whatever they used to do. Um, but yeah, she asserted something that wasn't true. She said, and she knows her stuff and he couldn't back it up. It's gorgeous. Uh, were we able to find that clip of Rebecca Schultz saying that, uh, the Trudeau Liberals try to get her to sign an NDA. I'll let you guys poke around. We'll go. Okay, let's show that. Because this is outrageous. Uh, they tried to legally shut up an Alberta minister from talking about the things that would affect Alberta. Let's let's roll this. We met here uh, in Dubai. And at that meeting, he refused to tell me when they would be announcing this emissions cap what would be included. His words were that uh, we needed to sign an NDA. Other provinces from across the country were remarking how odd that was, how unprecedented that was. And as Premier has said, if this was a constructive federalism, we wouldn't have to sign an NDA to have a conversation with the federal government about policies that impact areas of provincial jurisdiction. That is wildly disrespectful, given that my meeting with him uh, was only two days ago. So they knew exactly what they were up to. They just didn't want to have the conversation. I think that is, I quite frankly think that that is unbecoming of a minister and I think it's absolutely disrespectful. You know, they they again fail to admit that, it is, that this is going to um, uh, cap our production when we know in fact that it will. Again, they refuse to, they refuse to provide any socioeconomic impact analysis, any costing, any, uh, impact analysis that they've done when it comes to jobs, and then have the audacity to say that the tables that the Premier has set up uh, are just for information sharing only. Uh, it's completely disrespectful, uh, not for lack of trying. Of course, we're going to defend areas of provincial jurisdiction, um, but what we've seen from him again, it's what we've seen time and time again. We see Minister Guibault fly halfway around the world and make announcements to appease his climate activist supporters and then leave the provinces trying to figure it out. That's good. Isn't that crazy? Makes you wonder how many other NDAs have been slapped on provinces who agreed to sign those NDAs. So in Alberta, they, that's our environment minister, Rebecca Schultz, by the way. They tried to slap that NDA on her, and instead she turned around and talked about them trying to give her the NDA. How many times have they done this and gotten away with it on contentious issues? Makes you wonder, because if there are NDAs in place, we'll never know, will we? We'll never know. It's, I had no idea that stuff went on. I'm, I'm shocked. And I'm, I wonder how many other times it has happened. How many, how many other times?
and with how many other governments? I'm it's shocking. Let's go to Scott Mo, uh, the pragmatists on the prairies. Uh, Scott Mo, uh, Premier of Saskatchewan, he is also responding to the federal government, um, who went all the way to the United Arab Emirates to announce that they plan to basically phase out Canadian oil and gas. And this is Scott Moe's response. Uh, he's going to invoke the Saskatchewan Act also. Uh, so the Saskatchewan Act, the Saskatchewan First Act is their version of the Sovereignty Act that we have here in Alberta, and they passed theirs first. I should always acknowledge Saskatchewan for being a leader on this issue. He says, instead of taking the opportunity to promote Canada's sustainable oil and gas industry on the world stage, as Saskatchewan is doing now, Alberta is doing the same thing. They went there to go to the UAE to talk about how great our oil and gas industry is. It was just perfect. Trump did it in Bonn, Germany in uh, 2018. Anyways, the federal government's response has been to impose two new policies just this week on methane and an oil and gas cap and target the sector and burden it, with, burden it with more tape and regulations. Here's the rub. No strongly worded letters. Uh, Saskatchewan's ready to rumble. As confirmed in the Saskatchewan First Act, which first came into force on September 15, 2023, Saskatchewan has exclusive legislative jurisdiction under Section 92A of the Constitution Act, or 1867, over exploration of non-renewable natural resources and exclusive authority to regulate the greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, so... Anyways, uh, Saskatchewan remains imposed, and that's a direct threat to the feds, that if you do this, uh, let's rumble. We'll see in court. Uh, the Prairies are not yet tired of winning against Stephen Gilbo. In court, they uh, struck down the No More Pipelines Act and then a single-use plastics ban, and I guess we'll see in court again. <laughs> I can't I can't wait. Um, speaking of seeing Stephen Gilbo in court, uh, we did. Uh, my boss did. He sued Stephen Gilbo for blocking him on Twitter. Uh, and you can't do that if you're using public resources to run your Twitter account as the Minister of Environment was and is. He has staffers who run his account and he tweets from it in an official fashion as a Minister of the Crown here in Canada. And he blocked my boss. I think he actually had me blocked at one point too. Um, anyways, we sued him. Uh, we won. He had to unblock the boss, and we were awarded costs, some $20,000, because Stephen Gilbo is a petty tyrant, and he violated our constitutional rights. And so the clock was ticking. Stephen Gilbo had to give Ezra $20,000 in costs just to offset a minute portion of the legal fees we spent trying to prove a point and came down to the wire Gilbo finally turned over twenty thousand dollars but guess what he didn't turn over his twenty thousand dollars he turned over twenty thousand dollars from the taxpayer this is an official government of canada check to williamson law in trust chad and the gang twenty thousand dollars so stephen Gilbo argued in court that his account was personal and therefore he could block whomever he wanted, even though he had government staffers running it. And then he pays 
his debt using public dollars. He's trying to have it both ways, uh, having his cake and eat it too. So you're on the hook, taxpayers, for Stephen Gilbo being a petty crybaby on the internet. What a clown. What an absolute clown disgrace. Um, as uh, I mentioned, the United Nations Climate Change Conference is going on right now in the United Arab Emirates. Normally, Rebel News sends a delegation of journalists, normally me. However, uh, because of the reporting restrictions in the United Arab Emirates and the fact the United Nations banned me from reporting at any and all of their conferences in perpetuity, uh, it just wasn't a good idea for me to do unauthorized journalism in a benevolent dictatorship of the United Arab Emirates. So I didn't go. I didn't think risking uh, time in an Emirati prison cell was worth it to embarrass the liberals. I just, I didn't, I didn't know what, I, I didn't know what would become of me. Uh, but the uh, lunatic left, they're there in full force. And Joe Vipont, he's the climate change doctor who I th during covid we, he was the biggest like stay home to stay safe follow all the restrictions if you don't get vaccinated you are a grandma killer and stay stay off the planes the trains don't leave your house ban christmas he's that guy in alberta right he was the nilly kaplan mirth of alberta but before covid he was trying to control your life during like using other means, climate change, the old way that they controlled everything that you said and did. Then COVID came along and he was able to like have another outlet for his control freak tendencies. Well, COVID sort of gone by the wayside and he's back to climate change. And he took a flight over to the UAE to perform some sort of literal climate change theater. Like I mock this stuff by saying it's all just theater. Well, they did. They did street theater. I think he wore his scrubs and was on the ground. Like, just imagine th these people being your parents. He's on the ground, or they were on the ground, like, resuscitating the globe. A plastic globe, by the way. Look at these loons. So anyways, one of Alberta's finest, Joe Vipod, is over there doing this and they tell me we have a shortage of medical professionals, but when a good portion of them are over there arguing for net zero health care, which means net zero patients and made for you medical assistance and dying because your carbon footprint is just a little too large as you head into your golden years, uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Just imagine taking a private jet or at least a first class jet. He's not flying in coach on flare like I do. Um, over to the emirates which is ha literally half a world away look at this guy he looks like bane <laughs> what is this every time he breathes you can see him suck it in look <laughs> anyways who's taking these people seriously this is your doctor i'm just i'm so sorry for you uh Anyways, if you can't get in for testing, it's because your doctor's over in the Emirates. Uh, doing resuscitation on a plastic globe. These are not, these are not serious people. Not at all. Um, 
one more thing before we hit a quick ad break and go on to the just the last couple of things. I'll try do my best to breeze through them. Uh, Edmonton City Council. Uh, okay. If you, a year ago, were talking about this issue, you may have been kicked off of YouTube. Uh, you were definitely called a conspiracy theorist and a lunatic and just a complete mad person. However, Edmonton City Council examines 15-minute city concept in preparing for 2 million population. So the city is looking ahead to when the city's population reaches 2 million people and what that would look like. There are so-called 15-minute city plans, and that's true. It's built into the zoning code in Alberta, or not in Alberta, but at least in Edmonton, the progressive hellscape of Edmonton. Um, it's built right into the zoning code there. And for the people who are arguing that 50-minute cities are just all about convenience, you have to build the ant farm for the ants to pile into before you close the lid on the ant farm and keep them inside. And I think that's what this is all about. You know, you just get in the ant farm out of convenience and then they close the lid and they don't let you leave, as is sometimes the case in some of the other cities of the world. I think if I mention it, I might get a YouTube fact check. Um, let's do an ad break and we'll breeze through the last couple of things on the list. David Menzies for Rebel News here in downtown Toronto. And I got to tell you, folks, next March, March 23rd to 30th, to be precise, we are going on a Caribbean cruise. Can you imagine that? And a lot of your favorite rebels will be there, such as Sheila Gunn-Reeds. We got Alexa Lavoie, the big boss man himself. Of course, he'll be there, Ezra Levant. And how about this? How about this for the cherry on the Sunday? Tamara Leach, Canada's number one freedom fighter. She'll be on that boat, too. And look at the itinerary. We're going to be going to Half Moon Cay in the Bahamas. And then we're going to jazz it up in Oco Rios, Jamaica. And then there's Georgetown in the Cayman Islands. And finally, Cozumel, Mexico. Can you imagine that? If you want more details in terms of getting aboard the ship, go to rebelnewscruise.com. That's rebelnewscruise.com. All the details are there, the departure dates, the costs. And you know what? This is not just a fun-filled getaway. This is a way in which Rebel News raises some revenue. Unlike the mainstream media, we don't receive a nickel of government funding, nor would we take it if ever offered. So it's win-win. Enjoy yourself in the Caribbean and Mexico, and also support your favorite online news channel. So that's rebelnewscruise.com. I hope to see you aboard. And uh, who knows, you might get to see David Menzies in that leotard again. For those of you who really just crave David Menzies, Annalisa, if you're watching, I know it's you. Uh, let's go to this next thing. Sorry, I almost knocked over a space heater. Um, this next story, and I can refer you back to some of our coverage on this issue. Uh, my friend and videographer and head of documentaries, Kian Simone, and I actually rode the rails in Edmonton. We went on the LRT to sort of explain how things got so bad in Edmonton. And you can, I think our video is called Dope Train. 
and it's on the Rebel News YouTube. And we go through the series of bad decisions, progressively bad decisions from a progressive city council in Edmonton, including defunding the police and handing out crack pipes in the LRT station and then wondering why all the crackheads are there. And then as you as things tend to be, when you have crackheads accumulating in a certain place, things sort of get violent. And the province of Alberta stepped in and deployed sheriffs uh, when the city wouldn't do what they needed to do to keep the people who pay for the infrastructure and use the infrastructure safe while in the infrastructure. So and the precipitating factor there was an ice pick attack by a meth head in on public transportation. Well. Uh, we're back at it in Edmonton. Uh, woman 55 beaten into a coma at Coliseum LRT platform in central Edmonton. Uh, this is from Global News. And so while the city is doing its best to make things better, this is what progressive policies do. So uh, in Edmonton, they, they defunded the police. In 2019, they hopped on the BLM bandwagon. And then uh, crime got out of control in the downtown core. And so the province said, okay, you guys have to do something. So, you know what, the, the province or the city's solution to the province's ask was to send uh, this opioid response team into the LRT stations and say, okay, well, you come here and get your crack pipe and your needles from us because you're violent and maybe this will cause you to be less violent. Okay. And so naturally things got worse. It just deteriorated. It got violent. And now this, the province stepped in. They've also opened up drug treatment beds. We have a, like a zero tolerance approach to violent drug addicts here in this province. And uh, now we're playing catch up. But while we play catch up, people are still in danger. And this hangs squarely on the neck of Edmonton City Council and Justin Trudeau's former natural resources minister, Amarjeet Sohi, who is the mayor in Edmonton now. So uh, this is what's happening. The lady's in a coma now, 55 years old. Uh, and two 12-year-old girls beat her and assaulted her to the point of unconsciousness. It's crazy. It's, I mean, it's feral children in the LRTs now in Edmonton. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, I talked about the story about how we're bracing for $16,000 in grocery bills next year as for a family of four, I'm a family of five, sometimes seven. What's that going to mean for me? Uh, in Toronto, police are actually saying something about their progressive city council, um, kneecapping them. And Toronto police are blaming the force's slow response time on Mayor Olivia Chow. Let's look at this. So this is the Toronto Police Association. That's their union. Um, people have been calling 911 in Toronto lately, and they've been shocked to find themselves waiting on hold for multiple minutes. Um, and the city is blaming dispatchers and a lack of dispatchers and ambulances and the people clogging up uh, non clogging up like 911 with non-urgent stuff, like not calling the local police station to make a report when they could, and instead they're calling 911. And so um, the police association actually issued a flyer to, to tell the public 
why they have to wait for police officers, citing an 18% uptick in emergency calls and a 21% rise in major crimes across the city. So it ta- they said it takes them over 22 minutes on average to respond to the highest priority emergency call. And 60% of the time, there are no units immediately available to respond to an emergency. So it gets even worse. Toronto's population has risen 13% since 2020, but 600 officers have actually been culled from the force over the same time frame. So while the population has gone up 13% from 2010, from 2010 baselines, 11% reduction in police personnel. So they are underfunded, understaffed, and crime is out of control in the city. And Justin Trudeau's solution is, of course, to uh, go after law-abiding hunters and farmers and sports shooters um, with gun control legislation instead of tightening up the border. And Olivia Chow remains committed to handing out drugs and crack pipes to people on the street uh, as a, a way to deal with violent crime. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong, you guys? Um, we'll just uh, quickly touch on this thing. Canada's descent into a dark culture of death continues. Um, and our war on the vulnerable continues completely unabated and unmolested. Out of BC, a tweet from our friend Yankee Pollock, our social media manager. Uh, BC man opts for medically assisted death after 10 weeks without chemotherapy. Again, you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but this opening up of made to anybody who's inconvenient or eccentric uh, come March 24 or 2024 is the government's way out of mismanaging the healthcare system. Like one of the current protocols to qualify for medical assistance dying in Canada is if you are dissatisfied with the care that you're getting for this for the uh, illness that you have. We're Canadian. We are constantly dissatisfied with the care that we're getting for the illness that we have. It can take up to two years to get a knee replacement. Well, under the current protocols, you can mage yourself because you can't get a knee replacement. And then, you know, in March, it's going to be inclusive of the mentally ill. And so this guy can't get cancer treatment. So he just says, forget it. Because by the time I get cancer treatment, uh, it'll be too late for me. So I'll just do this on my own terms. What a disgrace. The opening up of the MAID protocols is the government's way of dealing with how bad they screwed up the healthcare system and refused to do anything different. It's a disgrace. Canadians are taking their lives because our healthcare system is terrible. And this is like one of those third rails of Canadian politics that you can't touch. You can't say there's something wrong with healthcare. We need to do it differently. We need to give people better options and different delivery. But the left and the political establishment say, no, we can't. And people suffer and die. We all get to suffer in the same line. That's uh, Canada's socialized healthcare system. It's ration. It's slow. And it's agonizing if you actually need to use it. Canada's healthcare system is great unless you actually need to use it. Then good luck to you. Uh, One last thing. uh, Maybe we'll go out on the Joe Rogan clip. 
we'll just close the show on that after I read the chats. Uh, Young Americans for Freedom, YAF, uh, this tweet from them, Young America's Foundation. Uh, so we haven't talked a lot about Dylan Mulvaney these days, the uh, transgender biological man interloper stealing opportunities from women and girls, pretending to be a little girl for some reason, documenting his dayhood as a girl. Uh, and you'll recall he did a sponsorship with Bud Light, which uh, disgruntled actual Bud Light drinkers and uh, alienated them, made made beer political all of a sudden for regular guys who just wanted to watch the game and have a drink from a blue can. Dylan Mulvaney uh, also ruined that. And now, 26-year-old Dylan Mulvaney is speaking to empty rooms. So this was, where was this? Uh, I forget where, I'm not sure where this was. It was at a university. So that's like your average-sized university lecture hall. And like 20 people showed up, 20 people. So not even like you're, this is at a university, by the way. So this is like where the craziness that promotes the likes of Dylan Mulvaney is born and fomented. A Penn State, of course, it's Penn State. Um, And the auditorium was basically empty. So what did Bud Light do? Appeal to no sides of this. And Dylan Mulvaney is so revoltingly unpalatable to both sides of the transgender debate that nobody actually showed up. Ugh. This little mockery of a female. Anyway, uh, Ted Cruz also, uh, Ted Cruz, Albertan by birth, born in, I think, Foothills, Cal- Foothills Hospital in Calgary, if I recall correctly, but definitely born in Calgary. Ted Cruz is investigating uh the partnership of bud light with dylan mulvaney because he says the partnership was designed to market beer to minors because yeah no adult man needed help having Bud Light marketed to them, by the way. <laughs> the amount of disgruntled men I see at the local pub uh, begrudgingly drinking a Coors Light these days uh, remains firm and steadfast. Um, but they said, like Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, he said that uh, this was specifically designed to market Bud Light to young drinkers because. of Zoomers said that they would make a purchase based on social media recommendations. And Mulvaney was big on TikTok. So they thought, oh, youngsters, most of whom Mulvaney's followers were under the age of 21. And the marketing company hired by Bud Light knew this. So they were specifically marketing this beer to underagers, which is obviously why nobody showed up to watch Dylan Mulvaney because uh, these people are too young for university. Dylan Mulvaney's followers on TikTok. So there you go. Uh, They want to uh, introduce alcohol and sex and the mind virus of gender confusion to your children. And they are 
not even try to hide it. Uh, let's go into the chats, shall we? We have a couple left. Excuse me for my sniffling. Uh, five bucks from Aaron Burton, 32. Is the daily roundup returning in the new year? I miss David and watching you all when I get home from work. Either way, Sheila, you and the team are all awesome. I think for now, uh, for now, although if you're a regular watcher of Roundup, you know that this has been several iterations of the show with several hosts. You know, it started off as Ezra during COVID. It also was uh, David used to host Rebel Roundup behind the paywall. Uh, this used to be just the daily live stream, then it morphed into Rebel Roundup daily. And then uh, now it's just on Fridays because I think David does such incredible work out in the field. You saw him cornering that 50-year-old trans man swimmer changing and swimming with 13-year-old girls. Like David does his best work out in the field and I just, I, I loathe to take him out of the field when he's doing such great work out there. And I mean, he's all like, I think right now he's working on something in the same vein. And so to have him come to the studio in Toronto, it's just, I feel like it's just, uh, we're robbing Canadians and thus the world of the incredible journalism that only David can do, particularly on these issues. Uh, I think maybe it was last night. Fox News use maybe it's tonight. Fox News using a clip of David's investigation at the swimming pool. So, um, you know, how how can we have him just sit in a chair and uh, emote for an hour when he is advocating for women and girls when their brothers and fathers won't? Uh, next one, uh, Maminka gives 15 bucks i don't understand how can there be any bonuses during the time of the economic crisis they're laughing in our faces oh so privileged yeah you better believe it uh we're talking about cbc uh firing people while giving executive bonuses like if you have to do a mass layoff of 600 people you have grossly mismanaged the company so what are you getting a bonus for like what what is that for or are you cutting them so that you can have your bonus so that it fits in the budget since when does cbc care about budgets anyway yeah you're right uh, but yeah these people don't live in the same world as you and i do right like if if your company is struggling do you get a bonus or maybe you get a steak knife you know cutco the company logo on it you don't get a sixty thousand dollar summer bonus like Catherine Tate did. Uh, Memory Hall gives us five bucks talking about the Rebel News Viewers Choice Awards at viewerschoiceawards.com. Vote for your favorite Rebel there. Uh, Memory Hall gives us five bucks. Oh my God, you're all great. How do I vote for just one of you? Although Menzies in the cat leotard is a definite down vote. You know, I did not vote for myself. Just so you know, I didn't vote for myself. I, you know, I'm competitive. I like to win, but I didn't vote for myself. I didn't think I did the best journalism in the company this year. Uh, but uh, I do manage the journalistic team. And so uh, their success uh, makes me feel good about the job that I do managing them. Although they are an easy bunch to manage as rambunctious as they are. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Five bucks. Hey, Sheila. Hi, everyone. What do you make of Jody Gondik? She's a disgrace. 
Also, what do you make of the whole Candace Owens Shapiro situation? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on the Candace Owens Shapiro thing. I try not to wade into the drama of other fellow travelers companies. You know what I mean? Uh, I think so far, um, you know, when you hire people for their opinions, they're going to give them. Sometimes you don't always agree with their opinions and it's a little different than doing straight journalism. Uh, but like so far, what I'm most impressed with so far is that the Daily Wire management hasn't weighed in publicly and they're just sort of letting their staff do the free speech thing. now. What I will tell you, what I find somewhat, uh, I don't know what the right word is, unbecoming of everybody involved is that this is like a very public airing of the grievances. It's so unprofessional from everybody involved. I don't like it. I think it uh, only works to benefit the people who want to see your company fail. And they love the drama. And uh, so why give it to them? That's all I have to say. Like, if you have a disagreement with your colleague, why the heck are you on social media airing it? Like, if they're your colleague, pick up the phone, text message them. Why do you have to make people who are fans of you both choose sides? I, I just don't know. That's not how grownups deal with things. It's not how professional journalists deal with things or professional commentators. I, I just don't like to see it because again, who who's the happiest? Media matters. <laughs> MSNBC, they're the happiest, right? So like, why? Why give that to them? I, I just wouldn't. All right. Uh, and I think I told you what I make of Jody Gondik. I think she's awful. I think she is culturally unaligned with the good people of Calgary in that she doesn't believe in free speech. She doesn't believe in religious freedom. And Calgary is, you know, the the a jewel in the crown of the most, I think, conservative place in this country. And it is sad, sad, deeply sad to me to know that she's the mayor there. Um, I think that's it. That's everything. Uh, right, Olivia? Okay, perfect. We're 20 minutes over time. So it's not just David Menzies that uh, elucidates me to talk too much. Uh, I just did it on my own today. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in to watch the show today as I uh, make it my way through the second episode of Rebel Roundup just on Fridays, just with Sheila. Uh, thanks to everybody who pitched in to keep the lights on and give me something to say at the end of the show by reading your chats. Thanks to everybody who works behind the scenes um, in Toronto and across the country and frankly around the world to bring you Rebel News when you want to see it, where you want to see it. Uh, and thanks to all of our viewers across all the platforms. And uh, as I say, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. You live in the fucking frozen communist shithole in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cold. You get real cold water. When's the last time you've been up there? Right. Like, I don't go up there anymore. You refuse, right? Yeah, I just fucking... What they've done up there, what they did with the trucker rally and what, what Trudeau's doing with guns and what they're trying to clamp down on censorship on the internet, that guy can eat shit. Hmm. Like, that, that place needs... 
100% an overhaul of government. Like they're they're sliding down that dangerous road of communism. It scares the shit out of me. 